Amen. Amen. Good morning. Great to see you this morning. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. And we're going to run around in Matthew 20 and 19 and 18 and, and tw- a little bit later in 20. So we're going to run around this morning. Keep your Bibles open. Is your bracket still intact? My bracket is perfect. It's part of the advantage of filling it out in pencil. <laughs> no, actually, uh, it's not perfect by a mile. We always fill them out at my house, and we still do the paper brackets. We do a few online brackets, but my wife was 27 and 5 after the first two days, and she doesn't even care. <laughs> I care, and I was much worse. <laughs> Oh no, I'm just I'm just real, I'm just pretty much down to rooting for the Christians. You know what I'm saying? The liberty's still in, right? So, uh, yeah. Who's my favorite team? I'm rooting for the Christians, right? We got to root for the Christians. Although I think it's one of the few times that Baptists have been dancing. But anyways, uh, that was a free joke. I just gave you that one. I think I got that off Twitter. Uh, it's fun to watch Liberty the other night. Uh, see them advance. And uh, been a Kentucky fan my whole life, but now they do those things where they have those rent-a-player. Yeah, there you are, Gary. <laughs> Kentucky and Duke and all those, they just have those players. I don't even, about the end of the season, I know who's playing, and then they leave for the NBA. And then a couple of them stay. If the pay's better at Kentucky, they stay for another year. You know what I'm saying? You don't know that joke, but that was a joke. But anyways, <laughs> it's kind of a joke, kind of true. But uh, anyways, it's great to be here this morning. Two weeks ago, we started L365, which is sort of a launch 365, counting down towards moving campuses. And we believe that it's really important that during this year that we have moving towards a new campus, that we, um, that we not just dream about having a new building, but that we really uh, occupy till we go that we really raise up leaders, 365 leaders in 365 days, and we're praying that 365 folks will come to know Christ in 2019 into 2020. How many of you believe that the Lord could save 365 people in a year? And we know it would be by His grace and by His grace alone. So we're excited about that. I guess today, we started that two weeks ago, so today would be L351. As we're counting down, and uh, we're excited about doing uh, the work of the Lord. We've talked a lot about the kingdom of heaven, and we're looking at Jesus' uh, words describing the kingdom of heaven. And I just want to say, by way of introduction this morning, that there is no greater joy and blessing than giving yourself and your abilities to the work of the kingdom of God. Now, we know that as a Christian, all of our work is to be for the glory of God. We don't separate secular and sacred. But everything we do, when we realize that our work and everything that we're doing is to expand and advance the kingdom of heaven, that is a, an enormous privilege, an enormous blessing, an enormous responsibility. We've been talking about the kingdom of heaven. I want to begin with this simple question. Are you a member of the kingdom of heaven? We defined that last week 
by the kingdom of heaven is defined as the reign of Christ. Wherever Christ is reigning is the kingdom of heaven. That was pictured in the Old Testament in the people of Israel. God was their God, their king. He set the rules. He led them. He empowered them. He enabled them. It was sort of a physical manifestation of the kingdom of God. It was where God reigned on earth. We know there's coming a day where all the earth, all the universe is going to be under the rule and reign of God in a sense where there will no longer be evil, darkness, sickness, suffering, pain. All of those things will be gone and the entire world will be the kingdom of God. Aren't you looking forward to that glorious day? But Jesus set up the spiritual kingdom. Jesus set up a spiritual kingdom in which he would reign in the hearts of men and women. Jesus is the Lord this morning and the King, and He has set up His kingdom, and His kingdom is in the hearts of individuals. So I ask you again, are you a member of the kingdom of God? didn't ask you if you were a member of a church. Are you a member of the kingdom of heaven? And the question really is, does Christ reign in your life today? In the days in which we now live, the church, the church of Jesus Christ is the physical manifestation of the kingdom of God. It is the people of God, those whose lives are under the controlling influence of the King of kings and Lord of lords, those who've been saved and Christ has set up His kingdom in their hearts, who come together and make up the church of Jesus Christ, and the church is the is the physical manifestation of the kingdom of God. And it is to do the work of the kingdom. It's why what we do is so important. Because this isn't our business. Now granted, there are a lot of churches, and I'm sure I've been guilty of this, we've all been guilty of this, where we start to do things in the church, and we say because we're doing it in the church, it's the kingdom of God, and it may or may not be a part of the kingdom of God under the ruling influence of the King, Jesus. But everything we do, it's why, it's why we're very, very thoughtful and, and, and careful about, about making sure that our motives and our ambitions and our intentions as a church are in harmony and in line with the will of God because this is His kingdom. And how do we know it's His kingdom? If He's in charge, right? If Jesus isn't in charge of the church, that church is not a part of the kingdom of God. Because His kingdom is where he is king. Amen. I forgot to bring my cute little short story and, and funny story and poem and nice little feel-good sermon today. I left that one at home. It was laying on the desk. I meant to bring it. I feel like, I feel like, I'm, I feel like uh, I'm being a little harsh. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just saying that we are the physical manifestation of the kingdom of God. So are, are we a member of the kingdom Here's another question for us to ponder this morning. Are we doing the work of the kingdom? In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus gives a parable. And the parable is is best understood 
Because it's one of those parables when you read it, you go, huh? That's kind of an interesting twist. But in Matthew chapter 20, the parable that Jesus gives is best understood when we understand the problems that he is addressing in the preceding verses. In Matthew chapter 19, and I'm just going to mention these two little incidents because they're, they're, they're very important to understanding what he's trying to say. Jesus has this encounter with a rich, young ruler. You remember this story? This rich, young ruler comes to him and says, Master, would you please tell me what I need to do so that I can enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says uh, a couple things, but essentially he says, you need to keep the commandments. And the guy says, oh, you mean like don't steal, don't covet, don't commit adultery, those? Jesus said, yeah. He said, okay, I kept all those since I was a little kid. And Jesus said, okay, but you forgot the first two. You remember Jesus said the first commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Remember that? And he said the second is likened to the first, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said on these two commandments, all the other commandments are dependent upon these two commandments. And so the guy had, don't steal, don't kill, don't commit adultery, honor the Sabbath, remember, honor your parents, uh, and so on. He said, I've done those, I've kind of followed those since I was a little kid. And Jesus said, okay, the only thing you lack are the first two. You need, to, you need to go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor, love your neighbor as yourself, and then you need to come and follow me. You need to love me above every single thing in this world. And the guy said, hold everything. There's a problem. The problem with entering and working in the kingdom. And I, I just, I, I don't even know, uh, Quintana, we're on the right slide now. But I have no idea if I'm going to even follow these slides this morning because I'm feeling it, okay? So just you, just, you just follow me as best you know how and don't you feel bad if I lose you, okay? Because here's the deal, here's the deal. As we prepare to do the, expand and continue to do the work that God has called us to do as the church. Listen, listen, we need... We need every person, every young person, every college student, every young married couple, every adult, every grand. We need everybody to be in the kingdom, but also working in the kingdom. And the problem that this rich young ruler had, it was the problem of possessions that hindered him from engaging in the kingdom the work of the kingdom of God. It's the problem, the power of possessions that limits our commitment to the kingdom. And, and, and the reason I'm, I've got to get to Matthew chapter 20 before the sermon's over, and we'll, we'll, we'll wind our way there because I want to I just give you those, those truths this morning. But here's, here's the fundamental truth that you need to hear this morning, the fundamental truth. We all need to be in the kingdom And we dare not let anything prohibit us from doing whatever Christ asks of us to enter into his kingdom. And secondly, we all need to be engaged in the work of the kingdom. Can I talk to to our young people this morning? I don't know. they're They're spread all around this morning. There's young people, college kids. I see you. Can I just tell you young people something? Can I tell you college kids something this morning? There is no greater blessing than living under the reign of Jesus Christ in your life. And having the Lord Jesus engage your your life, your talents, your abilities. Having him engage you in some way in the work of the kingdom of God. Listen, listen. 
This isn't the last rich young ruler that walked away from Jesus over the power that possessions had on his life. Listen, young people, the world is dangling all the glamorous things in front of you, and they're all good and wonderful in their rightful place. But listen to me, listen to me. Before you run off in a direction, you need to get on your knees somewhere and say, Dear Jesus, how do you want to use my life for the glory of God and the purpose of the kingdom of God? It's a problem that with the kingdom is, is this problem the power of possessions has over us. The second problem is seen as Jesus finishes the conversation with the rich young ruler and he makes this interesting statement that we, we like to, we've heard before. He said, uh, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and said, who who can be saved then? And Jesus said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And then I've never noticed this until this week, the connection between what Peter says here in verse 27. Then Peter said in reply, he's just watched Jesus have this conversation with this rich young ruler. And Peter is watching this and Jesus said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And, 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 and you'll, you'll get treasure in heaven. And Jesus then says, boy, it's hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And he turns around and Peter says, hey, wait a minute. We did that. Three years ago, we went and got rid of all of our fishing equipment and started following you. What do we get? Peter said in verse 27, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Lord, tell me more about that treasure you were just telling that guy that you said if he sold everything he had and gave it to the poor, you would give him a treasure in heaven. Um, Yeah, we did that. What do we get? Peter is now comparing himself and his own commitment. It seemed like it was a systemic problem amongst the disciples. As soon as you get through the parable that we're going to look at in just a moment, as soon as you get through the parable and you get down to like verse 17 of chapter 20, James and John's mother came to Jesus and said, Hey, Jesus got a little minor request. Can you give my two boys preferential treatment when they come to the kingdom? Sounds a little bit familiar in the news recently, doesn't it? These parents out in California bribing universities to put their kids in a good spot. I didn't mean to mention that this morning. It wasn't even in my notes. Peter Peter looks at the rich young ruler, hears Jesus say, if you give everything to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven. And Peter says, hold on just a second. I already did that. What do I get? Peter The second problem that really is is reflected here is the problem of pride that hinders the work of the kingdom. Peter's voice seems carried, filled with a bit of comparative and envious analysis. Jesus describes the great reward of those who will follow him and enter the kingdom. Jesus lays down the principles of the kingdom of heaven and he wanted Peter and all of us to understand. Can I just, can I just give them to you very quickly this morning and then I'm going to bring this thing to a close. And I'm, listen, I'm going <clears> to, <throat> I want you all to know <clears throat> in advance what I'm going to do at the end. Can you hand me that please, baby doll? <clears throat> I'm going to ask I'm going to ask us all this morning to ask ourselves these two questions. Am I in the kingdom? But the real question I want us to ask, am I working in the kingdom? 
am I working in the kingdom? Nothing hinders the work of God, the work of the kingdom of God, than these, nothing more than these two things. The power of possession that limits our commitment and the problem of pride where Peter looks around and says, man, I'm doing better than they're doing. What, will you say we're going to get some reward here? Then Jesus says, I tell you what, Peter, here's the story. He says, let me tell you this. And the last verse of chapter 19 should be the first verse of chapter 20. And this is what, this is what Jesus says to Peter. He says, Peter, let me explain something to you. In the kingdom, the last will be first and the first will be last. That's how he starts this. And then he tells this story in chapter 20, beginning in verse number 1. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house. Excuse me just a second. Who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour he did the same. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one has hired us. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. Can I just stop here this morning? It's pretty straightforward what Jesus is saying. The vineyard is the work of the kingdom of God. The time of the day is the time that we are now living in. Evening is the end of time and the coming of the Lord. And Jesus is saying there is work to be done right now in this moment, in this time. He said, in the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. So, the ones who showed up for an hour got paid the same as those who had been there all day. And when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received the denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? And how many of you know that the kingdom of God doesn't belong to us? It belongs to Jesus. Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last, he, he closes like he started. So the last will be first and the first will be last. And some of your translations add, many are called, but few are chosen and there's just a couple truths that you need to know from this story as Jesus is describing this story that that is is a man who owned a vineyard it was a it was on the hillsides of Jerusalem or around Israel they would build in terraces into the into the hillside every spring they would carry up on the backs of men and beasts they would carry up dirt they would pull out the rocks they would rebuild the walls they would, it was hard 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 work in the spring, they would prepare it. In the summer, they would tie the vines and work the vineyard. And in September, the grapes would come to harvest. And when the grapes came to harvest, it was time to get everybody all hands on deck. we got to get all these grapes in here before the rain came. And the rain would destroy the harvest. 
And this, this man is, is, Jesus is telling the story about a man who, who goes to, goes to the, it comes to September and the harvest is now ready and he goes to town and he finds these day workers. In the, in the, in the, in ancient times, there were day workers. They were the poorest of the poor. They just went and stood downtown. As a matter of fact, it was, it was such a thing that in Leviticus, there's laws pertaining to the day workers. And the, one of the laws in Leviticus 19 says that when you hire a day worker because he's poor, you, have to, you can't sleep on his salary. In other words, when at the end of the day, you have to give him what he earned that day because he's got to feed his family. He's a poor man. And Jesus says that this man goes into town at 6 o'clock in the morning. That was the, that was the beginning of the Jewish uh, day. At 6 o'clock in the morning, he finds these guys, says, you want to come work for me? I'll pay you a denarius. A denarius was a Roman soldier's day's wage. It was much better than a day labor typically earned. You come work for me today, I'll pay you a denarius. It was such an important harvest that, that he goes back at 9 o'clock. And at 9 o'clock in the morning, there's more guys. They must have slept in that morning. There's more guys standing around town. And he says, you guys want to come work? I'll pay you what's fair. He does it at 9, at 12, at 3. And at 5 o'clock in the evening, he goes back. There's only one hour left. Five would have been the 11th hour. He goes back with only one hour left in the day. He says, you want to come work for me? And he engages them in the work. And then at the end of the day, you know the story. He says, he says to his foreman, pay them all. And they begin. And he does something that most employers don't recommend. He tells everybody what everybody makes. <laughs> he does it publicly. He, 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 Jesus is making a point here. He could have said, those of you who came at six, come on up. There you go. And they would have left, and they would have never known. Instead, he says, hey, those of you who came at five, they hadn't even broke a sweat yet. Come up here. And he pays them a denarius, greater than, greater than any ordinary day laborer would normally make in the whole day. It was a Roman soldier's pay. And it wasn't, it wasn't like lucrative, but it was much better than they would ever, and, and certainly more than what you would earn in an hour. And he gave it to them. And the guys who'd been there since 6 o'clock that morning, they are sweating. They are di- tired, dirty. They're over there half asleep. And when they see that, they go, ho, ho, ho. One hour, one denarius. Twelve hours. You, you call it, right? And he calls them up and says, "Uh, thank you for working all day. Here's what we agreed and gave them one denarius. They say, hold everything. Time out right now, Jesus, or time out, Master. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't you understand? As a matter of fact, these guys are acting a little like Peter acted in chapter 19. Lord, don't you understand the sacrifice we made? You're going to give that guy a big treasure just because he goes and sells everything and gives it to the poor? Whoa, 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 Lord. We've been here all day. You don't understand how valuable we are to your kingdom. You you follow what Jesus is trying to say? And Jesus uh, tells the story and says, the master says, you and I agreed on a denarius. And by the way, a denarius was more than they could have earned as a day laborer anyways. And it was what they agreed to. And he says, it's my money, it's my kingdom, this is our agreement, don't begrudge my generosity. Now what I think is interesting is this, when we hear a story like that, when we hear any story, we all interject ourselves into the story, don't we? If you ever watched The Lone Ranger, The Lone Ranger and Tonto, we were always, I watched that as a kid, I was always the good guy. 
I was either Lone Ranger or Tonto. I was never the bad people in that show. When you watch a story or movie or hear a story, you always interject yourself, don't you? And so we have been sitting here this morning as I've been telling this story, as I did this week, and as I read this story, I'm the guy that shows up at six. How many are with me this morning? Come on now. Come on now. I'm not the guy that the master says at five o'clock, well, why are you standing here idle all day? That's not me. I'm the guy that shows up at 6, right? How many of our 6 o'clock sunrisers are there early working hard, going to be on time, right? That's who we... But can I just tell you all something? Before we get too quick to interject ourselves as the good guys in this story, let me just tell you that we're living in the 11th hour right now. And Jesus says... This, this truth, this principle is the last shall be first, the first shall be last. And Peter, do you not understand what I'm trying to say? And so let me just throw these principles at you as we come to a close this morning. And here's what they are. There is this principle of supernatural requirement or supernatural demand for salvation. Jesus is saying, Peter, disciples, listen to me. Here's what you need to know. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for anyone to become a member of the kingdom of God. And I know we have this, we've taken this, uh, and I may have mentioned that a moment ago, but we have this, uh, maybe some, some people said there's a, there's a, there's a gate around the city that was called the eye of the needle and the camel had to get, I don't, find that to be true anywhere. I don't, I've, that's sort of legend, I think. Jesus was saying an impossibility. It is impossible for a human being by human ingenuity, be it wealth, if it was impossible for a wealthy person to enter into the kingdom of heaven because of their wealth, it is equally impossible for a poor person to enter into kingdom of heaven. Jesus is describing one reality, and that is this. Peter, neither your good works nor that man's good wealth, neither one of those things makes it possible for you to get into the kingdom of heaven. Listen, I want to do something that's going to feel a little awkward this morning, and I know people get really weird when I say this. It's not that awkward. I overstated it on purpose. I just want you to take five seconds and look around at everybody around. Just look around. Just look around. I want you to just look around. Come on now, look around. Isn't that awkward? At least I didn't make you hold hands and pray with them. I could have had you hold hands and pray with them. Here's the the point. Listen, listen to me. Listen to me. Jesus is making this point. That in the kingdom of heaven, nobody, nobody comes into the kingdom on their own merit. It is only the supernatural work of God. God. We respond in faith and that is something we have to choose to do. We have to respond to the grace of God with faith. But I want to tell you something. Were it not for the grace of God, there's not a one of us that would be in the kingdom of God this morning. Amen. It's important that we under... This, this whole parable is, is, is simply designed to do, do this. To put everybody on a level playing field. Second, second principle that he gives us in here is that is the principle of total commitment. We must prioritize the kingdom above everything else in our life.
For the rich young ruler, Jesus said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. In other words, nothing, nothing, young man, can sit in front of me in your level of devotion. Nothing gets to get in front of me. Peter, your righteousness, the fact you've been following me for three years, the fact that you left everything behind. Listen, Peter, listen, listen, listen. No, 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 no. Don't put your hope and trust in that. Listen, Peter, this is what Jesus is saying. We are all beggars and paupers standing in the city square waiting to be invited into the kingdom of God. And without the grace of God, we, we will never be in the kingdom of God. And our good works and all that we have are mount to nothing. So we might as well lay it down and leave it behind so that we can treasure the one who really can give us what we need. For, for, the, for the rich young ruler, he had to sell everything. For Peter, he had to renounce his own his own pride. Everyone who has left houses and brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or children or lands, Jesus said, for my name's sake. In the parable, those who were required to work faithfully. Thirdly, there's the principle of absolute equality. Jesus said, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. What does that mean? What does that mean to be first shall be last and the last shall be first? Well, it, it, it does mean that not everybody that we think is important is as important as we think they are. Amen? And sometimes we get the idea that the preachers or the singers or the teachers or the people on TV, whatever, they're going to get the biggest reward in heaven. I have, I have a sneaky suspicion when we get to heaven, we're going to be surprised at the small jewelry some of us preachers are wearing and at the huge crown some of these people that you've never seen are putting around in a wheelbarrow. Amen. So there, there is a truth there. But I want you to, I want you to, I think, I think this is Jesus, this is what Jesus is in essence saying. I want you to imagine that five of us are running the hundred yard dash. All right? We're running, the, five of us are running the hundred yard dash. Peter thought he was ahead. The rich young ruler thought he was ahead in his own pursuits. And, and I want you to imagine that five of us are running the hundred yard dash and we take off and we run, and we cross the finish line in exactly the same amount of time. And you can actually go home that day and say, Honey, I was first in the race. No, you weren't. You were actually last. Well, actually, you were first, but actually, you were also last. Right? And Jesus is saying, In the kingdom of heaven, no one's ahead of anyone else. Everyone... Everyone is equal. He illustrates it by saying those who worked for one hour at the, at the 11th hour showed up for work. They got the exact same reward as those who worked all day. It's, it's, the, it's the principle of absolute equality. The denarii was a, more than a good wage for a day labor in that day. It was more than the man who worked 12 hours would have normally earned. And it was certainly more than the man who worked an hour would have earned. And Jesus is saying, in my kingdom, my, my workers are all of equal value. And there's finally, there's, there's the principle of eternal reward. In verse 29, Jesus says that, those who leave fathers and mothers and houses and land will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. There's actually five references to eternal life in this passage. Jesus said to the rich young ruler, you're going to find a treasure in heaven. He said, 
There will be those who enter the kingdom of heaven. He says there will be those who enter the kingdom of God. Those are interchangeable terms. I've said that. Peter said, who then can be saved? That's another way to describe the gift that God gives you. And then Jesus says that they will inherit eternal life in verse 29. Listen to me, friend. Listen to me. Here's here's the bottom line of this whole deal. And that is that God invites all of us to be in the kingdom. And God is inviting every single person here this morning to engage in the work of the kingdom of God. And the gift, listen, listen, the gift that we receive is the treasure, the treasure in heaven, the gift of eternal life, entrance into the kingdom of God. We get to be saved and redeemed and and delivered. And listen, you say, well, what about that person who spent 50 years on the mission field serving in in lost and dark places, and then they're going to get to heaven, and there's a guy that dies in the electric chair, but five minutes before he goes in the electric chair, he gives his heart to Christ. Guess what? They're getting the same pay. And did you know that if you work 70 years or 100 years in, no, in the middle of nowhere serving the Lord and doing the best you can, now there is a reward, there is a, a something to do with the rewards, but that's not what this is about. But if you work 75 years in the middle of nowhere, if you gain eternal life, you have been paid way more than you could ever earn in your own strength. Amen. And the reality is, as we interject ourselves into this story, Reality is, we're not the guy that's been here since 6 o'clock. This is the 11th hour. We just got here. And we ought to be thankful that the Lord doesn't pay us based upon our service and our time. Because we're here at the 11th hour. The kingdom of God is at hand. We're, We're invited to join in the kingdom. We're invited to join in the work of the kingdom. Listen, the grapes are ready. The grapes are ready. This ought to give us perspective. This ought to add value to our lives. Every person here is extraordinarily important. Listen, and this ought to add focus, focus and importance to what we are doing. Why are we building a new church? Why? Because the grapes are ready. Why are we buying a school and renovating it and expanding the school ministry? Why are we doing that? Why? Because the grapes are ready. The grapes are ready. Listen to me, young person. I spoke to you a moment ago. Listen to me. The grapes are ready. The grapes are ready. Don't give yourself to something other than the best that God has for you. God has a plan for your life. He needs you in his kingdom. He wants you. The grapes are ready. Jesus is, Jesus is walking through the village, the city streets, and he's looking at us who are in the kingdom. And he says, hey, hey, hey. What are you standing idle? What are you standing idle for? Somebody says, I don't have value. I don't, I, don't know what I, I don't know what I could do in the kingdom. Can I tell you the grapes are ready? If you'll yield yourself to the master of the vineyard, he'll give you meaning and purpose, and he'll put you to work, and your work will be great and glorious for the sake of the gospel. The grapes are ready. Why are we expanding? Why? What? Well, the grapes are ready. It's the 11th hour, and he's inviting us all into his kingdom. And he's inviting us all into the work of his kingdom. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for us this morning. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name. Oh God, I pray that you would stir right now. Stir right now in the heart of some person. Right now, Lord, would you stir it in the heart that I need to make sure before I run off and do my own thing and seek my own way, I need to make sure that I've 
listened and said, Lord, here's my life. How do you want to use me? Lord, we know that the day is far spent and the night is at hand. And the work that you've called us to is of eternal and extreme importance. Oh God, I pray this morning that even in these moments, you would call somebody, you would call somebody, Lord, this morning to just say, Lord, here's my life. You can use it for your purposes. I want my life to count for the sake of the kingdom of God. Oh God, I pray that you would stir, stir in us, stir in us this morning, oh God. Stir in us, oh God, this morning, a hunger to do the work, to do the work of God. And don't allow, don't allow us to be caught up with either religious competition or a competitive spirit like Peter and don't allow us to stumble over the possessions of this life Lord and refuse and miss out on what you have planned for our life so Lord I pray right now for every person we yield to you we give to you and we do it in Jesus name amen for more information about Eastlake Community Church please visit us online at eastlake-church.com or find us on your favorite social media platform at East Lake SML. Thanks for joining us.